We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Welcome back to another episode of Weird Distractions Podcast, a weekly show where I, your host Alex, rotate between true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, folklore, and a little bit of this and a little bit of that in order to provide you more than likely what your great, 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 grandfather twice removed would consider a weird distraction from everyday life. Instead of doing any housekeeping or discussing what I need a distraction from, I'm just going to get right into the episode because this is the second part of a two-parter and I'm sure people are just dying to know what happens next from last week, especially those that maybe haven't heard about the case or didn't look into the case after last week's episode and, you know, faithfully waited for this one to come out. So, Let's get into it. Last week, we introduced Dee Dee and Gypsy Blanchard and the retrospective tangled web of illness, isolation, tragedy, and concern that seemed to surround them. This was a Patreon-requested pick, so thank you again to Shadow and their mom, Cheryl, for requesting this case. And this week, we're going to be discussing the murder of Dee Dee, the trial, and recent updates. Due to potential coarse language, adult themes, discussions of child abuse, mentioning of rape, and other distressing information, listener discretion is advised. So I left things off last week at the point where Gypsy was my teenager and there were concerns that her illnesses weren't necessarily real. I also brought up how a pediatric neurologist named Dr. Bernardo Flasterstein questioned if the situation between Dee Dee and Gypsy was perhaps Munchausen by proxy, a psychological disorder marked by attention-seeking behavior by a caregiver through those who are in their care. On top of this, it also seemed as though anyone that would question Dee Dee on Gypsy's diagnoses, which included cancer muscular dystrophy, learning disabilities, etc., whether these diagnoses were real. And every time someone would question Didi on these diagnoses, Didi would isolate themselves away from that person or simply put that they didn't have the documentation or whatever reason Didi seemed to come up with. In order to try and seemingly divert anybody from trying to pull at any loose strings in the storyline. And I mean, to be fair, a lot of people did believe Dee Dee and believe that Gypsy was very ill and was very sick, which we discussed last week. I mean, she went to some pretty far measures in order to make it appear as though Gypsy was this very ill, frail child. Basically, I wanted to paint the picture of Gypsy and Dee Dee being this inseparable duo where Dee Dee was the perceived caregiver for her very ill daughter, because that's how this case has been documented as. Even though this was the narrative, there was also another one taking place at the same time, and both stories would act as separate trains, steam rolling towards one another in a wreck that no one really saw coming. As mentioned, we left off last week with Gypsy being a teenager, and speaking as someone who once was in their teens, she probably felt like what many of us did at that point in time. Angst. Well, okay, maybe not angst, but 
Perhaps she was seeking freedom from her mother, especially given the relationship the two had. Gypsy was reportedly questioning her mother as to why she was telling people she was sick, when in reality, Gypsy wasn't. In a direct quote from the Good Housekeeping article written by Rose Minitagulo in 2019, quote, Gypsy went from looking at her mother like a loving parent to seeing her as somebody that she was actually afraid of. In that article by Rose, Gypsy was quoted saying, I felt like there was no hope. I kept thinking, dear God, get me out of here somehow. Gypsy would find freedom by going online. Reports have claimed that whenever Dee Dee went to bed at night, Gypsy would hop on the computer and try to escape from her real life. By February of 2011, Gypsy was actually able to escape from her real life thanks to conversations she was having online. Gypsy supposedly took off with a man she had met at a science fiction convention who she had been talking to online prior to their great escape. Based on what I gathered online, it appears as though Gypsy and Dee Dee had attended science fiction conventions in the past, which did presumably allow for them to meet other folks. So Gypsy hopped online and connected with this previously unnamed man, and eventually Gypsy would somehow run off with him. I'm not really sure of the full details. However, this attempt at freedom was stopped when Dee Dee tracked the two down. Even though Gypsy was technically 19 years old when this happened, Dee Dee confronted the then 35-year-old man who Gypsy was with and told him her daughter was a minor. Based on what was written in a biography website article by Sarah Kettler, according to Gypsy, Dee Dee smashed the computer and physically restrained Gypsy to her bed after they returned home from this incident. Furthermore, Dee Dee allegedly threatened Gypsy that she had filed paperwork with the police claiming that Gypsy was mentally incompetent, which presumably led Gypsy to believe that if she ever attempted to go to the police or any Anyone for help, they wouldn't believe her. But Dee Dee eventually replaced the computer and it wasn't long before Gypsy got back online. As mentioned earlier, Gypsy was trying to find her own life online, away from her mother, and was unknowingly to Dee Dee given another chance to do this. For the first bit, Gypsy was only allowed to use the computer under Dee Dee's strict supervision. But once Dee Dee would take her sleeping medication and be basically lights out for the night, Gypsy would hop online and cruise the internet again by herself. While online, Gypsy would apparently stumble upon dating websites and ended up on a Christian dating website to be specific. While she was on this website, she subsequently, in 2012, met a guy named Nicholas Godijon. Nicholas was reportedly in his early 20s and was from Big Bend, Wisconsin. Based on what I gathered online, Nicholas had a history of mental disorders, including some reports pointing to disassociative identity disorder. As well, reports claim that Nicholas may have been on the autism spectrum. However, can't confirm if this is 110% accurate or based on speculation. Furthermore, Nicholas had a legal history including being charged with indecent exposure. All of this aside, Gypsy found some form of solace in Nicholas. The two seemingly hit it off. In a direct quote to elaborate on this, taken from the All That's Interesting website, quote, the pair, being Gypsy and Nicholas, believed that they had found true love after only a few online conversations. Then the virtual relationship deepened. Nicholas and Gypsy decided to share a private Facebook page where the two could post messages for one another without Dee Dee knowing, end quote. Soon, the two young online lovers would divulge in one another their darkest secrets. Nicholas was made aware of Gypsy's situation, that Dee Dee was prompting the nation, if not the world, to believe that Gypsy was sick, even though, to Gypsy, she wasn't. By 2014, Gypsy reportedly confided to her then 23-year-old neighbor about Nicholas. For a bit of backstory, accounts claim that this neighbor was unaware that Gypsy was actually closer to her own age at the time, 
time, and so this neighbor often considered herself a big sister to the pretty much assumed younger Gypsy. Anyways, Gypsy told this neighbor about Nicholas, sharing that she wanted to marry him, have his children, and all of that lovey-dovey jazz. Gypsy reportedly shared that the two often flirted online using a secret Facebook account, with their exchanges sometimes bordering into BDSM territory. Now, BDSM, for those unaware, is considered, by a direct quote from Wikipedia, to be a variety of often erotic practices or role-playing involving bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, and other related interpersonal dynamics. It's nothing to shame as long as both parties are consenting, of course. So Gypsy is telling all this to her neighbor who is concerned about young, frail Gypsy, and eventually she tried to talk her out of this relationship. Basically, the neighbor was worried that Gypsy was perhaps talking to some kind of online sex predator and warned Gypsy to be careful around this guy. These concerns might have fallen on not listening ears as the bond between Gypsy and Nicholas continued to grow and in 2015, they agreed to meet at a Missouri movie theater. So the two agreed to meet at a movie theater to see the new live-action Cinderella movie. Remember though, Dee Dee rarely let Gypsy out of her sight. So of course... Dee Dee was there. The supposed plan was that Gypsy and Dee Dee would attend the movies, casually bump into Nicholas, which both Gypsy and Nicholas would be dressed up in costumes so a conversation between them could easily happen once they bumped into each other. Basically, the two lovebirds were trying to orchestrate a way for Nicholas and Dee Dee to meet in hopes that Dee Dee would give her blessings for Gypsy and Nicholas to date. So... The date takes place and Gypsy invites Nicholas, who she was acting like he was a complete stranger to, in front of Dee Dee, to sit and watch the Cinderella movie with her and her mom. Dee Dee, based on reports, seemed to kind of pick up on some red flags regarding the whole situation. I didn't come across anything that led me to believe Dee Dee might have confronted Nicholas or anything to that nature, but based on what I did come across in my research, it seemed as though after the fact, Dee Dee might have said to Gypsy that she she wasn't really sure as to what the deal was with Nicholas. For example, why was Nicholas at a Disney movie by himself? Who was he? And why was Gypsy inviting him to sit with them? The movie starts and at some point Nicholas and Gypsy reportedly take off to the bathroom without Dee Dee. Both Gypsy and Nicholas would state that during their respected bathroom breaks, the two would actually have sex for the first time in one of the bathroom stalls. In watching the case retelling by Bailey Sarian, she actually brought up a really good point that I kind of wanted to reiterate. Bailey brings up how Dee Dee was very rarely away from Gypsy, and so it kind of does seem odd that she would let her guard down long enough for Gypsy and Nicholas to go hook up in a very public place. Not saying it didn't happen, because let's be real here, that's the least concerning issue when it comes to the case. It's just interesting how that would have happened. Anyways, Dee Dee reportedly wasn't fond of Nicholas, but that didn't necessarily stop Gypsy and Nicholas from continuing on their secret online relationship post-movie date. Gypsy would often vent to Nicholas about how she was unhappy under her mother's care, and Nicholas would try to comfort Gypsy by telling her he was going to save her someday. Now, accounts vary in terms of how Nicholas offered Gypsy to get away from Dee Dee, with some even suggesting that he offered to murder Dee Dee. I'm sure at first, Gypsy probably brushed this offer off by Nicholas, because let's be real, it's kind of a loaded offer. However, after their first movie date, there were some reports that Gypsy and Dee Dee got into a verbal argument within their Missouri home. Whether it was about Nicholas or not, I'm not really sure, but it was probably one of those mother-daughter fights and things were just escalating very quickly. Gypsy reportedly ended up sending Nicholas a message stating, quote, okay, I want to do it. I want you to kill my mom. 
Nicholas and Gypsy began reportedly devising a plan, which brings us to June 8th of 2015. Nicholas takes a bus down to Springfield, Missouri, and stays at nearby Days Inn until June 10th. In the evening of June 10th, Nicholas snuck into Gypsy's house, as the two had planned, after Dee Dee had gone to bed. Accounts claim that Gypsy had hid in the bathroom while Nicholas crept into Dee Dee's bed before he stabbed her more than 10 times in the back. Some resources I came across noted that Dee Dee at one point actually called out for help from Gypsy. However, most accounts seem to agree that Gypsy stayed within the bathroom the entire time and did not go into Dee Dee's room. When it was confirmed that Dee Dee was in fact dead, Nicholas and Gypsy reportedly hooked up a second time within the house before taking approximately $4,000 in cash that Dee Dee had within the home. Gypsy Nicholas reportedly fled the home to a motel outside of Springfield, where they stayed for a few days while planning their next move. The murder weapon, being a knife from Gypsy and Dee Dee's house, would be mailed back to Nicholas's place in Wisconsin. Speaking of Wisconsin, the two apparently took a Greyhound bus back to Nicholas's family's home, where the plan was that Gypsy would stay with him and his family under the guise that she was homeless and from an abusive family. During their journey back home, reports claim that several witnesses saw the pair on their way to the Greyhound station, noting that Gypsy wore a blonde wig and was walking without any assistive devices. By June 14th, Gypsy reportedly had Nicholas post two updates to Dee Dee's Facebook page. Supposedly, Gypsy was was hoping that, with these posts, someone would perhaps check in on Dee Dee and discover her body. I mean, it had been four days and there had been no reports of Dee Dee's death, which some say Gypsy felt some guilt for that Dee Dee was going unnoticed. For those that don't know about this case, I'm just going to give a little bit of a trigger warning because the posts that were made aren't necessarily easily digestible to some. Let's put it that way. Nicholas made the following post on Dee Dee's Facebook page at around 3.32 p.m. Once again on June 14th. The post read, that bitch is dead. Another post followed at 3.49 p.m. reading, quote, I fucking slashed that fat pig and raped her sweet innocent daughter. Her scream was so fucking loud, lol, end quote. Which, all I have to say to that is, very subtle, Nicholas. Very, very subtle. This post obviously concerned friends and family members, as calls and knocks to the home were being unanswered. According to a BuzzFeed News article, concerned friends decided to call 911 after waiting long enough for a response from Dee Dee. When the police arrived, they had to wait for a search warrant to be issued before they could enter, but accounts claim that they allowed one of the neighbors present to climb through an opened, unlocked window. Once inside, this neighbor reportedly saw that the house was largely undisturbed and that all of Gypsy's wheelchairs were still there. Which, if all the stuff was still there, including Dee Dee's van, then one would assume that Dee Dee and Gypsy would have been there. Once police were able to obtain a warrant to search the home, that's when another eerie story came to light. Police found Dee Dee, deceased, in her room, laying in a pool of blood, according to reports. I'm not sure if maybe the neighbor just didn't go into Dee Dee's room or didn't notice anything, but given the lack of evidence that would suggest this, I'm going to say they probably didn't notice. With Dee Dee devastatingly found and with seeing Gypsy's medical devices in the house, authorities initially thought that perhaps Dee Dee had been murdered and Gypsy had been kidnapped. People went into a full-blown panic mode, which, fair, given that Gypsy was without Dee Dee, her wheelchair, and her medication. The previously mentioned unnamed neighbor friend that Gypsy had confided her love of Nicholas to, 
then supposedly took police aside and informed them of what she knew. She reportedly told authorities that Gypsy had been talking to some guy online and that there was a secret Facebook account that the two would use in order to speak to one another. Police took this information along with the bizarre posts that were made on Dee Dee's Facebook account and tracked down an IP address. This IP address led police right to Wisconsin and to Nicholas and Gypsy. On June 15th, police arrived at Nicholas's family's home in Wisconsin. Upon this incident, Gypsy was quoted saying, We thought we would never get caught. I felt like this is a fairy tale and I was going to be the princess that got rescued. But what started as a fairy tale ended up as a horror movie. The couple was apprehended for the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard and taken back to Springfield, Missouri on a $1 million bond. Although locals in Springfield were elated to hear that Gypsy was found safe and brought back home, Greene County Sheriff Jim Arnott warned everyone that, quote, things are not always as they appear. At first, Gypsy reportedly pretended to act shocked when police informed her that her mother had been murdered. After some further talking, a little bit of probably some investigative pushing, Gypsy spilled the beans. Slowly, the real story of the resilient duo Gypsy and Dee Dee would come out for the world to know. No longer was Dee Dee Blanchard depicted as this caring, amazing, strong mother, but rather a woman who did everything in her power to make others believe that Gypsy was ill so that they could live a life fueled by sympathy and support. When it was discovered initially that Dee Dee had been murdered, before the truth came out, there was a GoFundMe posted in order to help with funeral costs. The GoFundMe was made up by a woman named Kim Blanchard, who wasn't a relative of Gypsy's or Dee Dee's, but rather someone who lived nearby and had the same name as them and had supposedly met Gypsy and Dee Dee at a science fiction and fantasy convention held back in the Ozarks in 2009. When the actual real narrative of Dee Dee and Gypsy came out, the GoFundMe page was shut down and folks were alerted not to make any further donations. After learning about the truth of the situation, Kim was quoted once stating, at that point, it really became, I don't know anything about this person. What have I been believing? How could I have been so stupid? End quote. Things became even more shocking when, for the first time ever during Gypsy's initial court hearing, folks would actually see Gypsy walk into the courtroom on her own. No wheelchair, no walker, nothing. People lost their cool in seeing this because everyone knew Gypsy as this little sickly girl who always was in a wheelchair, always needed a wheelchair, and all these other assisted devices. Minds would be further boggled again to learn that Gypsy was actually older than what Dee Dee had portrayed her to be. Basically, the trial was peeling back this large onion of a lie that Dee Dee had really created. Each layer had its own story, had its own moment of probably like, oh my gosh, we don't actually know these people. We haven't known these people. And now we're having to reintroduce ourselves to Gypsy while mourning Dee Dee, who once again really led this narrative. After the disclosure of how the real narrative had been for Dee Dee and Gypsy, many saw this situation as a case of long-term child abuse by an unwell mother. There are some accounts that even Dee Dee would overprescribe a medication to Gypsy or give her specific medication that would make her exhibit symptoms so that this narrative of Gypsy being sick actually seemed real. And it just, at the end of the day, seems as if she was doing this so that the support that Gypsy and Dee Dee were getting would continue on. Think about it. They got trips to Disney, a house, a specialized car, money, 
All from folks under the guise that Gypsy was this unwell child and that Dee Dee was the single mother trying her damn best to help. Let's actually shift gears and focus on the trial and the proposed punishment for Gypsy and Nicholas. The state of Missouri reportedly considers the death penalty for cases involving a first-degree murder conviction, which for Nicholas and Gypsy, it would mean this would have been up on the table. However, county prosecutor Dan Patterson would announce eventually that he would not seek the death penalty for either Gypsy or Nicholas, calling the case extraordinary and unusual. After reviewing the case on top of Gypsy's medical files, a plea deal for second-degree murder was offered to Gypsy, which she took. Gypsy would be sentenced to 10 years in prison, where a November 3rd, 2021 Fox News article noted that Gypsy could be paroled as early as December of 2023. Nicholas, on the other hand, would be sentenced to life in prison for the first-degree murder of Dee Dee Blanchard and 25 years for an armed criminal action charge. Based on what I read online, Nicholas's sentence did not mention an eligibility for parole. During Nicholas's trial, his lawyers seemingly pointed the finger at Gypsy being the mastermind in Dee Dee's murder as opposed to Nicholas. Basically, they wanted to show that Nicholas was so in love with Gypsy that he would have done anything for her. In a quote from his lawyer, Nick was so in love with her and was so obsessed with her that he would do anything, end quote. The two eventually would break up and there have even been reports that Gypsy may actually be married. Accounts kind of vary on this, as some sources claim that she was once engaged to a man that she was writing letters to while in prison, while other resources like the News Leader article by Jordan Meir back on August 3rd of 2022 noted that she married a completely different man. In a direct quote from that News Leader article, quote, on June 27th in Chillicothe, Missouri, Blanchard, 30, married Ryan Scott Anderson, 36, of St. Charles, Louisiana, the Livingston County Recorder of Deeds confirmed, end quote. In terms of an update for Nicholas, it appears as though in 2022, he was requesting a new trial as he argued that he had ineffective counsel back in 2018. According to a Newsleader article, Nicholas's attorney's arguments of ineffective assistance from his lawyers kind of stem from three main points. One, that his original lawyers supposedly failed to move for a change of venue even after the case gained significant traction in local and national news, kind of making it hard to seat an impartial jury. The second point being that apparently Nicholas's lawyers failed to investigate or present the jury with enough witnesses witnesses or evidence that would have supposedly bolstered their claim that Nicholas had diminished capacity due to an autism diagnosis, which earlier I had mentioned that I wasn't really sure if he had one or not. And, you know, potentially even with this comment, it's still kind of hard to really verify it. And the last point of wanting a new trial is that supposedly Nicholas's original lawyers allegedly failed to investigate or present the jury with evidence that Gypsy was the one who planned most of the murder and Nicholas simply acted on her wishes. Regardless, that previously mentioned projected train crash had finally happened, and now what remains is kind of the mess of it all. Now to summarize this week's episode. I first want to thank, again, to Patreon member Shadow and their mom Cheryl for recommending this case to be covered. I was nervous at first to cover such a highly publicized case with so many different online opinions and perspectives out there. On top of that, I was also nervous about all the information I would need to sift through in order to come up with this two-parter. And to be honest, 
maybe I could have even done a three-parter. Instead of sharing my thoughts on the case, you know, as many do, I thought I would highlight some statistics on child abuse and chat about some resources. According to the Canadian Red Cross website, child abuse is any form of physical, emotional, and or sexual mistreatment or lack of care that causes injury or emotional damage to a child or youth. The misuse of power and or a breach of trust are part of all types of child abuse. Other types of child abuse include emotional abuse, exposure to family violence, physical abuse, neglect, i.e. not providing basic necessities like a healthy diet or moral guidance, and sexual abuse. As mentioned in part one, please consider checking out the website for the International Society for the Prevention of Child Abuse and Neglect, which will be posted in today's episode notes. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming the show on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review. This helps the show out for free by letting others know that it's worth listening to. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an update is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and TikTok. If you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each month, why not join one of the two tiers over on Patreon? Each month you get exclusive content such as bonus episodes and series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early access to the regular feed episodes. You can find out which tier is best suited for you by going to patreon.com slash WeirdDistractI podcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members, Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Susan, Shadow, Courtney, and Cheryl. I love you all and appreciate your ongoing support of Weird Distractions. If you're unable to support the show on a monthly basis, but still want to support it maybe as a one-time donation, check out the show's merch over on Redbubble or sign up for a one-time donation over on Buy Me A Coffee. Lastly, I want to hear from you. As some longtime listeners may recall, Christy and I released two listener story-based episodes called Listener Distractions. I'd love to keep doing this series and hear all of your weird tales of ghostly encounters, unexplainable events, and too close to home true crime stories. You can email me your tales at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections that need to be made after today's episode, let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye. Bye.